All right, so the Steelers moved to 11-0 after their victory yesterday against the Ravens, and all I hear is they haven't played anybody. But 11-0 is 11-0, and there's there's no such thing as the worst 11-0 team in the league. That doesn't make any sense. But before we get a deeper diver with this team, do you believe that they will go undefeated this year? Do I believe that the Steelers will go undefeated? I'm going to side no. I mean, just because <laughs> it's smarter to put your money on the field. This has only happened what two times that we said the most recently the Panthers went 14 and 0 before losing uh, a game down the stretch I mean it's just it's tough and we were talking before we even came on Mike about teams that have had advantages certain scheduling things I would say the Steelers are the opposite of that right like they had their bye week in week four this game got pushed around three different times uh, they're a good team. They're obviously the cream of the crop in the AFC. I'm not saying they're a bad team by any stretch. And we saw glimpses of this this last year when Ben was out and they had to rotate with Mason Rudolph and all these quarterbacks. They were they were even on the last day of the season, they were uh, another. I think the Titans away or somebody away from losing to them getting in. So there has been this foundation the entire time. I think we got to give a lot of credit to Mike Tomlin. Uh, I mean, the winningest African American coach in NFL history, but not just that. My bad. Not just that, uh, uh, one of the best coaches we have in our league, and his name is not mentioned enough when we talk about the Belichicks and the Shanahan's. Let's talk about Mike Tomlin and what he's done to get this team in this position. Exactly. Yeah. So now the only question remains is, how do they match up with Kansas City? <laughs> Nobody matches up well with Kansas City. I don't think – have we learned that lesson yet? Like, they offensively – there is no matchup for Kelsey Hill – Sammy Watkins, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Le'Veon Bell, and oh yeah, Patrick freaking Mahomes. Like, there is no matchup for them offensively. On the defensive side of the ball is where the mismatch, I think, is. I mean, Pittsburgh's defense is one of the best in the league, bar none. We know that. It's been proven. Um, a big blow, a very, very big blow to their to their defense that came in this most recent week. Uh, it, we'll see how they can rebound from that. We'll see how um, they look down the stretch, but that looks like the AFC title game right now. Yeah, I mean, the Steelers, I think they have to go undefeated if they want that number one seed because there's, I don't see any chance that Kansas City loses again this year. <laughs> I, the Raiders caught them. The Raiders caught them. I talked about a big blow to the Steelers' defense. I want to make sure I got this. This report came out yesterday. Bud Dupree, starting linebacker, likely done for the season after tearing his ACLs. Bad news for the Ooh. Steelers. Bad news for Bud Dupree obviously but um, yeah it, it, that, that looks like the that looks like the matchup right now I always get nervous about divisional matchups the Chiefs play the Broncos this this Sunday and uh, we've seen the Chiefs drop a divisional matchup at home this year something they rarely do but I'm I'm just saying it could happen yeah <laughs> it could happen. <laughs> yeah that Bud Dupree loss that's massive I I've said this year that I think that Bud Dupree and TJ Watt are the best pass rushing duo that we've seen since Demarcus Ware and Von Miller, and we saw what that was in Denver. That was a so. I mean, we'll see. Definitely. We'll see. I mean, like I feel like that was the only that was one of the things why you could give them the edge over Kansas City because they were able to get a pass rush with just four people, and the more people you can have in coverage trying to defend all those receivers, the better. With just using a limit out of people to get to the rush, but now you can't do that. So. The Ravens, they dropped to 6-5. and five. If their season ended today, they would not be in the playoffs. Lamar Jackson has received a lot of criticism. Some of it is fair. Some of it I don't think is. Uh, do you believe it is officially panic time in Baltimore? Got to be right. This is your defending champ. Or, excuse me, this is your reigning MVP. 
Um, this is a team offensively that looked different. Like Lamar was passing the ball with more confidence last year. That's what it comes down to. Uh, I know his threat with the legs, whatever is, is what's so sexy. Everybody falls in love with that spin move in Cincinnati last year. Amazing, right? Um, but the dude had over 30, 30 passing touchdowns last year, too. We can't forget about that. He's not passing the ball as efficiently this year. Mark Andrews' numbers are down. Hollywood Brown has been non-existent since week one. Uh, the Des Bryant play looks like it hasn't really turned up anything in the last three weeks. Their passing offense does not look the same, and uh, that's where I was worried. And I was actually a believer in them earlier in the year. I said, hey, calm down. You know, things are going this way. They're not looking that bad. The Browns started off hot. Maybe they'll fade. They haven't faded. It looks like the Ravens, the team that's fading. I don't judge too much off of this most recent performance, obviously, just based off, off what was happening, literally a COVID outbreak in their office, and they still were forced to play that game. And I phrase that intentionally. It's just, uh, it, it's definitely panic time if we're doing panic or patience. But um, with seven teams in, maybe eight if COVID takes a hold of the last month, they could still be a playoff team, but my expectations have been lowered on, on Baltimore. Yeah, I had them as my Super Bowl pick coming into this year. I was a big believer in them. I thought Lamar Jackson would elevate as a passer from what he did last year. Uh, I really liked them adding J.K. Dobbins to the backfield. And then their defense, too, kind of how the Steelers are. I thought that could also kind of carry him, but none of it is so the same. It's on you. You had, the ball, you had Baltimore coming out of the AFC. What was your slight on KC, or what was, do you think their advantage was over KC coming into the season? Um, I mean, like, it was kind of, it was, I don't know, like, it was, it was just an instinct, kind of, like, I don't, I don't have a good reason for picking against Patrick Mahomes, I mean, pretty much every year for the next 10 years, I'm gonna pick Patrick Mahomes to win the MVP, I'm gonna pick the Chiefs to win the division, honestly, after this year, I'll probably pick them to go to the Super Bowl every year, unless, you know, they have a massive string of injuries before the season, but I mean, I don't know. I didn't have a reason for picking Baltimore. I kind of like. I just kind of like how their team was last year. I like the additions they had. You know, Clay's Campbell um, additions in the draft. I was a big fan of their receivers that they brought in the draft. So Duvernay, uh, Prochet. I thought those were two underrated receivers that kind of haven't developed into what they thought. And then I don't know. I feel like Baltimore is not. So like we give a lot of criticism criticism to Lamar Jackson and. I don't think we're giving enough to the front office because they didn't do a good enough job of upgrading the receiver position outside of Marquise Brown. Um, and then their scheme offensively, they're trying to do the same things they did last year with the three tight end sets, um, massive running. One, they don't have the same tight ends they did last year. And two, when we've seen this throughout the league. When you get a full off season to figure somebody out that these guys are too smart, that they're going to have a, have a better game plan for next year. And it takes, and this will be the last thing on Baltimore, it takes, like, an organizational buy-in. You talked about the front office. Like, to run this three tight end sets and a lot of these running plays, these wishbone offenses and stuff that they were coming up with, these handoffs, you have to recruit a different type of player. You have to re recruit different offensive line. Your offensive line play then becomes more pivotal than it's ever been before. They ran the ball so effectively last year, too, which is another, another thing. Like, they can run the ball and get five, six yards of uh, a play – and then come down and gash you over the middle with Mark Andrews. Now it's just so one-dimensional. I feel like Lamar is not as comfortable back there in the pocket. I don't know what necessarily that is. If he's not seeing the plays the same way, um, it's it's tough. 
Yeah. It, it, it's very tough. It's, yeah. it's tough to envision a road in which they – and anything could happen. We saw Tennessee make a run last year out of the wild card spot, but it's tough to envision with just how inconsistent they've been playing for them to make a Super Bowl run. Yeah. Just one more quick point on uh, me picking Baltimore. So with Lamar Jackson <laughs> – with Lamar Jackson, we've seen him get better every single year since his freshman year at Louisville. He came in, he was you know just a dynamic guy uh, his freshman year. And his sophomore year, we see he won the Heisman. He got better at everything. His junior year, he became a better passer, which kind of elevated him into the first round. Um, his rookie year, he got better as the season progressed. And then his second year last year, we saw, um, we saw him. He came in bigger. He was a stronger person. His throws were better. So I kind of thought we would see more of that build this year, which is kind of one of the reasons why I picked him. I mean, I don't know. We'll see. He's not going to get uh, a Patrick Mahomes or Deshaun Watson type of contract, but I still believe. I mean, if you, uh, oh, and to go even deeper on this, like his window to get paid is different. And he's going to be evaluated differently. We're talking about his next contract now. Uh, he, I mean, if you look at the Deshaun Watson and the Mahomes contract, they're going to be evaluating. And tight ends make this argument every year. Oh, don't don't classify me as a tight end when my numbers are just as good as the wide receivers. Like Travis Kelsey, for instance, I think has more, more catches than half the wide receivers in the league. So when it's time for him to go to the table – and Lamar is included in this. They're gonna they're gonna look at his numbers up against Patrick Mahomes, and they're gonna weigh him more on, I believe, a running back side. They're gonna say, ah, well, you didn't throw as much or as effectively. Ran more, even though that's the scheme. I still think that plays into that plays into the the politics of that entire situation, and which makes Baltimore one of the more intriguing teams over the next year or so. Yeah, yeah, that would definitely be interesting. So. What do you make of the Cleveland Browns? So they're currently 8-3 right now, but they played a fairly easy schedule to this point. Their three losses are to the three best teams they played, the Ravens, the Steelers, and the Raiders. Um, we're going to learn a lot about them Learn a lot about them in the next couple of weeks when they play Tennessee and Baltimore. So what do you make of this team right now? I, they're a team that can run the ball at will. We were just talking about a team that can run the ball at any point. Uh, that's what everything is predicated off of on their offense. I know Baker Mayfield grabs all the headlines and all the commercials it seems like you do, but uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are what stirs the boat for them or stirs the drink for them. I actually like Baker Mayfield also without OBJ on the field. I don't know. It just looks it looks cleaner to me. Baker looks like he's calmer in the offense. I, I don't know, but like, the Baker and OBJ thing just has not worked. It, it, it just has not worked. It looks like he's forcing the ball to Odell whenever he's out there. Odell's an amazing playmaker, one of the best playmakers we have in the league. But for some reason, it just doesn't look as natural when he's out there. Um, what do I make of them? I make of them as a playoff team that could win around, not make, not force anything um, as far as like a Super Bowl pick. But um, they've definitely taken that next step, and we have to give a lot of credit to, to Kevin Stefanski for that, who has – Given more of a, a professionalism to that organization, I think Freddie Kitchens was. <laughs> Michael Dow was one of the worst hires in the, in the last decade. Oh, definitely. Um, so a lot of people are calling for Jalen Hurts to become the starter in Philadelphia, and my dilemma with that is, even though Carson Wentz is playing bad, the offensive line is terrible. Uh, the receivers they're injured again, and when they are playing, they don't create enough separation. 
Um, the play calling is awful. It's kind of looked like how... Did you see the Thanksgiving game with the Cowboys when they played um, Washington? Their play calling was awful in that one. That's kind of that's kind of how been Philadelphia's been all season. And um, so all those issues won't go away with the new quarterback. What do you believe that they should do? You're right. And then you just nailed it right there on the head. I mean... Jalen Hurts is not going to come in there and do anything different than what we're seeing from Carson Wentz right now. The thing that question, the thing that frustrates me about Carson Wentz this year is his decision-making seems like it's taken a step back. Like, he's always been able to make all of the throws. He's always been one of these guys that has, like, a backyard football type, extend the play, kind of run out the pocket, that sort of thing. Sometimes he takes a lot of these bad sacks, which we're seeing this year. I think it's 48 sacks uh, through 11 games, which is absolutely <laughs> insane. Um, but the decision-making has taken a step back. I don't know if that's because he doesn't have the same chemistry with his wide receivers. I mean, the guys that he's throwing out there, Travis Fulton was a practice squad guy. Jalen Rager was a, is he a rookie, right? He hasn't really made that connection yet. Zach Ertz has been on IR or has been injured. Um, there's a lot of, a lot of factors that go into that. They haven't had a run game in the last two or three years. We can talk about that. Miles Sanders' expectations, he hasn't really met them in the run game, maybe in the passing game because the cars have been dumping off so much. They're not going to be a contender this year. And what the worst part about this whole thing for Philly is that the NFC East is so bad <laughs> that they actually are a contender this year. So they actually like have one foot in the door when realistically they should be in the lottery. They're a lottery team. Uh I, I'm praying for all my Eagles fans out there because there's a lot of issues. Yeah, I mean, yeah, because they have they they have three wins right now, right? They have yeah. a tie also. Exactly. That's why. Yeah, every every week it looks like that was the the smart decision. Yeah. He knew what it, what Doug Peterson Sweet. knew what he was doing. But I mean, um, I've heard a lot of people talk about how Carson Wentz hasn't been the same since Frank Wright he left because he was kind of he was kind of the key. It was the same thing with Matt Ryan when he lost Kyle Shanahan. In Atlanta, that when you lose your offensive coordinator, and then you factor in, he has to answer questions about his backup every day, which is what he's done for the past three years. Every day when he goes to work, he sees a statue of his former backup of a team that he was carrying. So I mean, the decision making, like that's all on Carson Wentz. That's where he's really regressed, and some of it I think that he was pressing in the beginning of the year. That when he didn't, he was getting a little frustrated because his line wasn't holding up. Um, what's it called? His receivers were injured again. His running backs were injured again. And then he's really had this pressure on him since Nick Foles won the Super Bowl because he's the one that delivered in Philadelphia, even though it was Carson Wentz's team. He's the one that carried them pretty much to the number one seed that year. But he's been trying to do too much the past three years. He's trying to make up for that pretty much. And you can't forget, man, this is Philadelphia we're talking about. This is not yeah. a... This is not a normal sports town. Like, mm-hmm. you're going to hear the noise. And, and and that forcing and a lot of the stuff that we're seeing, I guarantee it's a it's just a combination and the weight of a lot of these issues. And sometimes there can just be one last straw that breaks the camel's back and gives Jalen Hurts his opportunity. But I feel for Carson because it's not just on him. Yes, he's regressed as a decision maker, but there's a lot of things that go into that. Yeah, and they can't give him up because of his contract. There's too much of a... Um, dead money head, especially. A, yeah, so I mean, you're you're stuck there. That's another thing. You got paid as being because he would have been the MVP that year. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm I'm not gonna say otherwise. He definitely would have been the MVP that year. 
he was playing well enough the the Jadavian Clowney year was it where he got hurt or or was yeah. it Clowney? Clowney was the playoffs last um, year. Clowney was in Seattle, right? Yeah. Oh God, can I keep up with where he, he's at? But <laughs> he got hurt that year as well. So there's that narrative that oh, this guy can't stay healthy. Why why do you invest in this guy that uh, that is never there when we really need him? I remember they talked about having a little pitch count for a while. It's just like. The, the organizational mismanagement has played a lot into what we're seeing on the field as well. Because there's certain organizations that would say, we're not even thinking about our backup. We're not even going to draft it. Because when you spend a second round on the quarterback, too, I know we're going long on this, on this Curtis Morris <laughs> thing, but they spent a second rounder on, on, on Jalen Hurts. So he's mm-hmm. going to see the field at some point. Exactly. It's too big of an investment for the GM to just say, oh, well, we spent a second rounder on him just to see what he's like. We're going to convert him to a wideout. No, this dude is going to play quarterback for the Eagles at a certain point. It's more of a matter of when than if, if Carson Wentz keeps playing like this. Yeah. So the race for the NFC West is heating up. Um, this is the best that the Seahawks have looked pretty much all season. Uh, the 49ers are starting to get healthy, so they remain a threat in that division. The Cardinals have dropped their last two games, including three of their last four, but they still have Kyler Murray, so they still have a playmaker, and they play the Rams for the first time this week, so they're not completely out of the division yet. Uh, Jared Goff has been struggling lately, but so the thing with just a real quick with uh, Jared Goff, when you talk about benching a quarterback, when you say bench a quarterback, the question is who do they have behind him? Because the Rams have some guy who's never taken a snap in the NFL, so you can't, especially when you have a playoff team, you can't bench him. So just throw out all that talk. Um, but the Rams do look like the most complete team in that division. Who would you give the edge to right now? Oh, I'm not benching Jared Goff first and foremost. That is just uh, who even is their back? Yeah, I don't. It was I can't remember his name, but it was some guy that who hasn't even taken a snap in the NFL. So I mean, Goff has been inconsistent as well, and and that is that team has gone as as that defense has taken them. But at a certain point, Jared Goff has got to pull his weight a little bit. I'm taking Seattle only because of their their schedule down the stretch. Had to pull it up. They're eight and three now. They faced two New York teams up next, Giants then Jets. Worst case scenario, you split that. They have the Washington football team, and then they finish the, the year with the Rams and the Niners. Uh, I've heard some people say that was the easiest remaining schedule. Even if they win two of those last couple of games, they finished the year 10-6. and six. I think 10-6 and six is enough to, to get that done. Uh, I don't know if Seattle is as high as we thought once thought they were. I know they were once seen as – let Russ cook. Russ doing this. Yeah. Russ and DK. Um, his decision making has taken a step back since we're talking about decision making. That's a theme. Um, I just trust him more than any other quarterback in that in that division, and it really is not not close. Kyler met Bill Belichick this most recent week, which um, it happens to slow rookie quarterbacks down. I think yeah. his record against rookie quarterbacks is <laughs> impeccable. I wish I had that offhand, but. Um, I trust Russ. I trust I trust Russ. Uh, Kyler and, and them have been a nice story. I think they're another team that's taking that next step. Uh, but I'm taking Seattle. Okay. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the addition of Carlos Dunlap was huge for them. And then getting Jamal Adams back. So the best way to fix a terrible secondary, terrible pass coverage uh, coverage is to get a pass rush. So, I mean, they've exactly. they've solved that. So, I mean... Letting Russ cook, like you said, that was the, the theme at the beginning of the year, but that's that's not enough. 
that's never been enough pretty much because you we've seen that story before i've heard uh i heard someone compare them to the 2018 chiefs where patrick Mahomes was so great they could air it out they could score on anybody they could put up points but they couldn't stop anybody and depending too much on your star quarterback has never really worked in the nfl and their defense has been historically bad or was historically bad to start the year i give them credit last two games Playing a lot tighter coverage in the, in the secondary, uh, but to start off the year, they had one of the worst defenses of all time. Uh, I don't know what necessarily we're talking about coordinators leaving. Uh, I have a big theory that the guy Dan Quinn will be back there in Seattle before we know it. But um, that defense had not looked the same. Shout out Jamal Adams, who has been banged up, but has helped solidify that defense. Yeah, um, let's talk about the Packers. So Aaron Rodgers has been great. You know, he's doing what Aaron Rodgers does every year. Um, but the concern is, so first let's talk about, they, we can we can say, we thought about it when they made the first couple of draft picks that they wasted him. It's official that they wasted their first two draft picks. Um, I don't ever expect, at this point, I don't ever expect to see Jordan Love as the quarterback for the Packers. Not now, not in the next four years, depending on the way that, um, right now how Aaron Rodgers is playing. And then, they drafted a third-string running back who gets maybe one carry a game if they give him any at all. Um, they could have used those picks on another receiver, which has been the kind of the issue, the second receiver to Devontae Adams, and then some linebackers because they can't stop the run. Do you believe that there's a ceiling for this team right now? Uh, we're talking about Packers, right? Yeah. Uh, ceiling? They were a 13-3 team last year, yeah. right? <laughs> I was low on them coming into this year, mostly because I thought Rodgers was the one thing holding them back. I know that was a very popular take, that Rodgers was over the hill, and we were seeing his, his um, we were seeing the twilight of his career. But obviously, the Jordan Love draft, if anything, if he doesn't touch the field, you got the best out of Aaron Rodgers that you're getting. <laughs> like, if that was the play, that was a hell of a chess, that was a hell of a chess move, because... Dude's been balling this year, and his connection with Devontae Adams has been one of the best in the league, up there with uh, Mahomes and Hill. Uh, they're both tied second in the league with interceptions, or excuse me, with touchdowns while wow, I'm tripping, trying to read too fast. Um, do I believe in the Packers? I have to. I have to just because of what they've shown me, what um, what I've seen out of the rest of that division. No offense, but I mean, like, do I see the Bears <laughs> challenging them anytime soon? No. Oh, man. Uh, so I said this a lot. This will probably be my catchphrase this pod, but uh, they're a team that can make the playoffs and definitely win a game, maybe even two. Uh, I would not be shocked to see them uh, in a title game uh, just because of their pedigree and um, offensively what they showed me. They, uh, the first couple of games, they were averaging 40, 40, 40 a game, which was, which was nuts. Yeah, my concern for them is so it's kind of a um, kind of carries over from last year that they are even though like you would think when you hear Green Bay um, a town like that that they'd be tough and physical kind of like how Pittsburgh is you know out there but this is really a finesse team that when they get pushed around a little bit they kind of fold they folded both times last year against the 49ers they got the 49ers were extremely physical. Um, the Bucks were physical with them, and they got on them, and they kind of folded in that one. They struggled against the Vikings because the Vikings can run the ball, and they kind of they're kind of a tough team in that aspect. Um, 
I mean, there's so not. Maybe Matt Lafleur, yeah, maybe Matt Lafleur brought over a little bit, that a little too much, a little too much shimmy, a yeah, too much uh, <laughs> finesse to it. Definitely, I could see that. Um, do you have so you do have the same concerns that they are kind of they're not they're not that tough. We've seen so Aaron Rodgers. Um, there was a stat that he loses. Um, well, he wins. I think forty-seven percent of the games when the Packers are trailing at any point in the game, so whether they're down three uh, nothing beginning of the game, and then they said that was like a lower percentage than Tim Tebow had in his career or something like that. So I mean, <laughs> I don't I like I don't know. Like I have, even though they're eight and three, and they'll probably end up going twelve and four or thirteen and three again. I think this team has a. I'm not going to say a low ceiling, but I don't see this as a Super Bowl team, really. I mean, there's probably four or five teams in the league right now that realistically could make it, and maybe three teams that could win it. Uh, I just think right now the Steelers and the Chiefs are so far above everybody else Mm -hmm. as far as complete teams, offense and defense. We talked about mismatches, like... I can't think of another team other than Tampa that when they line up, there's so many mismatches. But with Tampa, it's the coaching side of things that still worries me. Mm-hmm. Um, and putting their guys in position to win, I think that's one thing that makes the Chiefs so far ahead above the rest of the league is not only do they have the talent, but they know how to use it. And we see that every Sunday. Yeah. So speaking of the Bucks, they don't play this weekend. Um, so I think... There's well one reason people are really criticizing uh, Brady because you know he's Brady that people are always gonna hate. Um, but you said you said it too like the the scheme the so the scheme so I'm fully convinced that half of James Winston's uh, James Winston's interceptions last year were because of Bruce Arians and because of that scheme, and then the other half is because you know that's just what James Winston does because he he's had turnover problems since back in his days at Florida State. Um, so what do you, I don't know, do you think that Brady's struggles are being overblown a little bit? Kind of, what do you make of Tampa Bay right now? I actually asked Tyron Matthew this exact question right after their their game uh, last week. I said, hey, everybody has their own opinion on Tom Brady. Literally everybody has their own damn opinion on Tom Brady, whether you like it or not. You're going to hear about it. And what is not clicking there in Tampa? Because it's obvious that it's not clicking. Something's not clicking. Uh, and Tyra said, hey, in New England, they were more checked down. They were more over the middle. They were slants. They were dump-offs. They were kind of going for the sticks each and every time. And it was death by 100 cuts. By the time you look down, they have an eight-play drive for 80 yards, and you're on the goal line. Yeah. Uh, but now it's just this air it out offense, yeah, exactly. right? They're trying to go deep. <laughs> Each and every time. And you kind of have to do that, right? Like, when you have a Mike Evans, a Chris Godwin, a Gronkowski, like, you're not going to run sticko routes yeah. over the middle. No. Like, you're trying to create spaces. You're trying to put stress on the safeties and the defenses. You're trying to put cornerbacks in positions where they have to do PIs and holes. But Brady, that doesn't play to his strengths right now. Or even if it doesn't play to his strengths, even if it does, if he comes and shows us that he can make that throw, he hasn't gotten the time to learn it yet and apply it on each and every down. 
he hasn't had a, he, he hasn't had enough time in the offense to actually learn how to apply it against each and every defense. And that's understandable. They've been doing half the season on Zoom, like me and you are doing this podcast. <laughs> like you haven't had the chemistry with your wide receivers to be able to pull off these deep passes. It's going to look like it does, which is sloppy and and inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, now, at any point, they can flip the switch. At any point, Arians can say, "Okay, this hasn't worked. Let's try and melt things down." Let's come over here. Let's put Antonio Brown on the screen here. Let's do this and do that. But there's so many different mouths to feed in that offense and egos to please. I don't want any part of them come to playoffs. Yeah. So was so I'm so I'm a Patriots fan, and so I always watch Tom Brady. Whenever Tom Brady's playing, I'm watching. Sure. Uh, what's it called? So every time I'm watching him, like you said, they're just they're just airing it out, and it's like they go on the field and it's three straight plays of. 50-yard bombs, and it's run the ball. You have Ronald Jones and Leonard Fournette. Uh, dump it down a little. This bye week is key for them because this is kind of their se- even though it's kind of late in the season, this is their season. This is the week they have to make these final adjustments. They have to figure out what's going on on defense because they've been struggling in the, in the uh, back half these last couple weeks. But, I mean, um, I'm never going to count out Tom Brady in January because you never know what might happen. He's been proven is wrong for the last 20 years so it's week 13 of the nfl season your team has to have an identity on offense and on defense. you need to know what you do well on offense and what you do well on defense and how you win games game script that's what the job of coaches is how do we play to our strength and win games a lot of these teams that we're talking about philadelphia tampa bay i just don't know i don't know what their i don't know what they do well you know what i mean i don't know what their identity is i know with the chiefs it's creativity on the goal line. You could have Travis Kelsey throwing on the ball one day. You could have uh, Patrick Mahomes going in motion the next day. And then for a, and for a lot of these teams, it's just it's getting late in the season. They still don't know. I mean, I know when I play the Vikings, and I know when I play the Titans, you're going to run the ball 30 times, at least. Yeah. That's a physical game. Derrick Henry is coming downhill 20, 20 times in this first half, whether you like it or not. Yeah. What do you? Tampa, yeah. it's like. Yeah. No, I understand. What do you make of Bruce Arians? Well, every week he has a new criticism of, of Tom Brady, which is ridiculous. And then um, I think he said on Sunday that Tom Brady is the one out there calling plays. Um, this is this is a, something that different that we've seen from in New England. As a Patriots fan, you know how lift they are and how Brady was treated there, and just how like they treat media in general, how the media covered. Belichick and Brady. Now we're just seeing a different side of that. I don't know if Tom resents that. I don't know if the media plays too much into it. Um, I mean, damn, Arians could be right. Like, we just haven't heard this from a Brady coach, so it's like it's it, it becomes a thing, right? But if any other coach comes out and says, "Hey, you know, PJ Walker was his first start. He missed a couple. He missed a couple plays out there, but it's his first year in the offense." That's a dub, but we say that in Tom Brady, it's like, yeah. how could you? <laughs> how could you? I mean, he just doesn't look at he, he doesn't look. There is something missing. Yeah. Um, I think I think we can. Yeah. Yeah. I think we can officially say that the Patriots dynasty was it was Belichick and Brady, which is something that I've been trying to tell people for years that it's not more one person that. Tom Brady needed Bill Belichick to be great. 
and Bill Belichick needed Tom Brady be great. I think their last Super Bowl run is the perfect example of it, um, especially those last two games where the Patriots are playing the Chiefs in the AFC Championship game, and Brady, uh, you know, he has to go out there, he has to score. He, he has to keep pace with Patrick Mahomes because Belichick can't stop him. And then in the Super Bowl, when Brady doesn't play well, he needs Belichick to have a great plan on defense. And that's kind of what it's been for the past 20 years. It's never been more one person that dynasty. So a 20-year dynasty doesn't happen because of one person. It had to be both of them. They needed both of each other to be great every year. And there's sacrifices along the way that both parties made in order to make that happen. And I think this is not a Belichick-Brady conversation, but I think the breakdown there is just, you know, at a certain point, you feel like you're not being recognized for how much you put in. Um, and you take for granted what you had, because I definitely think that it wasn't perfect in New England, but um, and I also think it's a little too early to make this call because where everybody's looking for, oh, if Brady won Super Bowl this year, he won, right? Yeah. But it, uh, you know, it, it, it's one of those things where you see Shaq wear 80 jerseys on the way out of the league, and you're just kind of like, eh. <laughs> <laughs> all, right. <laughs> all right, Vince Carter did the same thing. I'm from Atlanta. I'm a Hawks fan. See, seeing Vince go out, it was, it was cool. But I mean, like Vince doesn't mean anything to Atlanta. He should have done it in Toronto. Yeah, I still feel like Brady should have done it in New England. And even even if he does do like a one day contract or something like that, I don't think that spoils what his legacy is there. No, yeah, I've been I've been trying to say that to people all year. What Brady does this year does not affect his legacy. His legacy is cemented. He has six Super Bowl rings. He's been in the league for 20 years. If he goes out a wild card weekend with the Bucks this year, none of that matters. But these dudes are competitors, right? Like, yeah. The athletes that I know are some of the most, they're com- competaholics, literally. Like, that's what they do. Anything they want to do, oh, I'll race you there. Or, oh, you want to do this faster, do this faster. So, of course, Brady hears all this talk yeah. about Bill Belichick building him and making him and this dude went 199 in the draft like if you don't think he has a chip on his shoulder you're joking yeah even after everything he's accomplished that still it still weighs on him he's still trying to yeah, yeah. that's crazy well uh Aaron I want to thank you for agreeing to hop on the podcast man loved your insight loved your takes definitely want to have you on again in the future no, nah, of course, let's do it. And if, if you're listening, connect with me on social media. That's how we connected. I'm, I'm on Twitter, Aaron Ladd, zero. Um, just, just let me know what y'all are thinking. Yeah. All right.